Hi, this is Cynthia from What Career Do I Pick podcast. This is a place for you to hear about the different types of jobs that are out there with the hopes that you gain a little bit of clarity in terms of the type of career that you may want to follow. In this episode, we discuss product management with Josh Sentner. Josh has over 10 years of experience in product management with a very, very impressive professional journey, going from being a business analyst, then a consultant for product innovation, to becoming the head of product and delivery in a tech startup, all the way up to becoming the chief product officer at My Prosperity. The chief product officer role is not very common in Australia, so he's definitely one of the first to be in this type of role in this country. In this episode, we will talk about what product management is, the day-to-day of a product manager, and the skills required to becoming a great product manager. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Without further ado, let's get started. Hey, Josh. Hey, Cynthia. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So I would love to start our conversation by asking a key question around product management, just to set a context for people to understand, you know, what this is all about. So I guess from your experience, what's the best way or the simplest way to explain what product management is? So, well, we all use products every day. Right? There's heaps of products out there, whether they're uh, physical products like a couch or a can of soup or, or a digital product, which is where it's more commonly placed at the moment, where, where I'm specifically focused, where it's things like social media applications, computer games, applications like the alarm on your phone or, or even the operating system itself, like, the, like a smartwatch operating system or something like that. All of these represent different products. The role of the product manager is essentially to ensure that that the teams that are working to build the product are building the right things into the product. So they need to ensure that they're understanding customers' perspectives properly and building the right things. Then their role is to ensure that the teams across the business, um, starting with the teams who are actually doing the building, uh, through to the teams that are supporting the product and then getting it out to market, which includes marketing and sales, all of them have what they need to work effectively and the product manager almost acts as the glue between all those different teams, right? So they're, they're um, very much a communications role, uh, a prioritization role, and a strategic role as well, as well as um, someone who does try, kind of get involved in doing what needs to be done. So if there's ever a gap, like let's say uh, hypothetically your mar- you had one person in your marketing team and they resigned, right? If that were to happen, my opinion is that the product manager is the first person to step into that gap, right? While, while that's needed. If a salesperson resigns and they're your only salesperson, again, I would argue the product manager needs to be the person that steps into that gap and fills that gap for the time being while it needs to be filled. If there's ever a breakdown in communication across um, departments, across the organization, that's the product manager's responsibility. And, and it's their, their fault for any of that kind of breakdown, in my opinion. Yep. Such a complex role because it sounds like there's definitely a technical aspect to it but then there's also yeah. that soft communication interpersonal strategic side to it so it's a yeah. mix of different things in one role yes yes it is now now that said and again for anyone listening as well is there's lots of different types of product managers what, what i'm kind of describing well described today is is what is someone that can do all of it but there are people that, um, especially when you get to much larger organizations, where they might only be working in a specific area. So mm-hmm. uh, hypothetically, you might be working in a bank, 
working as a product manager within the team that builds out uh, the backend systems for the bank, right? You're not going to need to be involved in marketing or sales or operations, but you still need to ensure that you're coordinating and helping to build the best possible um, database systems and backend systems. I'm trying to use uh, the best jargon I can in this instance. And, and you still need to ensure that you're building the best products, but those things wouldn't necessarily be your responsibility. You still need to coordinate communications, but it's more you would be coordinating between, say, the people building the backend systems and the people building the mobile apps. And your job would be to coordinate between those groups, right? So, so there are different types of product managers. Depending on the type of organization, the size of organization, the role would be different. Would it be fair to say that, let's say, if we take the Facebook app, as an example, that's a product, there will be multiple product managers assigned to the app. It's not just one. Oh, yeah, without question, without question. Yeah. So let's say, so my, ideally what I believe is that for every, ideally for every eight developers in the team, you'd have one product manager, right? And again, there's lots of different structures of how organizations run that I'm describing what I think is best. And in that instance, the product manager is also playing the role of, of business analyst. And, um, you know, some organizations have project managers. None of those would exist in, in what I believe is the ideal state. And so if Facebook has, getting my maths right on this, if they had uh, 100 developers, let's say, I, I know they have thousands, but if they had 100 developers, they would have uh, upwards of, I think, of 14 product managers in that sense. And then one head of product that would sit across the top as well. Yeah. And in all likelihood, Facebook has lots of different products. So they have Facebook Marketplace, um, the Facebook newsfeed, uh, Facebook community, each of those would represent their own products. And, and I'm quite certain what you would have at Facebook is you would have a chief product officer. Underneath, you'd have a head of product for Facebook Marketplace. And underneath that, you'd have a whole number of product managers as well, right? So, so that's generally how organizations would probably structure their product management function. Yeah. Yes. Huge. Um, yes. And I think maybe to make it a little bit more real for um, the listeners. If I think about how YouTube has now started doing shorts, like uh, they've got this new functionality yes. where you can do shorts. So I assume that there is a product man or a few product managers looking after YouTube. And then because TikTok or some other app sort of came yes. to the marketplace and started to compete, with YouTube. So I assume that the product manager part of that role was to understand the strategic implications of exactly. TikTok exactly. and then implement yes. new features. Such an yeah, exciting yeah, that's role. Exactly right. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And um it's 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 quite hard to do in that respect because there are so many different responsibilities. Um at the moment, I mean my, my previous role I had a team of 15. I've now got a team of three. So it's, um, which I'm very happy about because I'm getting to get back my hands dirty and get into the startup space again. But it's hard to try to keep on top of all the different things that you should be doing as a product manager. So not only are you prioritizing what gets built in the product, you're prioritizing what you do as well. So for example, I might say right now, I, I've got too much that I need to do in terms of just keeping things moving. I don't have time to do competitor research. So as much as I know that I should do it, uh, I'm not going to do it for now because I've got other things I need to work on. So you're constantly trying to balance all the different things that you could be doing and ensure that the team's doing the best, the most valuable thing that they could be doing and you're doing the most valuable thing that you could be doing as well. Yeah. yeah. If there's one thing that I wish I could have is more time. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly. 
Um, so it would be good to wind back a little bit in time and talk about your early career journey. Because I know this, the answer to this question. I just want to, I guess, for the listeners to, um, you know, understand a little bit more in terms of how you've, um, you know, your journey to date. So did yeah, you sure. always, did you always know that you want to be a product manager? I did want to be in product management. I didn't know what product management was. So I didn't know it existed. For that matter, when I graduated, so I graduated, um, so when I was making this decision as they forced you to do in high school, it's like, what are you gonna study at university, right? And so back then, you know, I knew I liked computers. I knew I liked building things and I knew I liked working like to, to build products. And so, you know, I explained to the, to the guidance counselor at high school what I wanted. And I was like, really, you want to like, you know, help grow businesses and things like that. She's like, great, you need to be a financial planner. I'm like, okay, sure. I didn't know any better. And, and so back then, I don't think product management was as popular, but it was business analyst was probably the thing that I should have been working towards. And again, I didn't know what that was either back in high school. So um, I said, great, cool. I'll study commerce. Uh, I did um, accounting and finance. And then in my third year of university, I managed to get a job at an accounting firm doing tax returns for self-managed super funds, which is very, very different to what I do now. So I got that working part-time. It would have been in June, 2007. And so I worked there part-time for a year before graduating in June, 2008 at the accounting firm. Now in September of 2008, the GFC hit. And I remember watching the news and because I was doing these tax returns, I was seeing all the shareholdings of all of these self-managed super funds that this accounting firm had told their customers to invest in. And so I remember watching the news and they started to rattle off all the shares that it tanked, completely tanked. And I remember sitting there going, oh my God, it was, it was like just a laundry list of all the investments of all the funds that I was working on. And so I got into work the next day and they straight away said that the whole team has been made redundant. The whole, the whole team is gone, right? And so I was, I was living out of home. I was living with my, my girlfriend at the time. She was at uni still studying law, law commerce because she's way smarter than I am. And, and I was the only one earning money because she was now in, uh, I think her fourth year of law. She, she was working part-time, but only a little bit because that's a very, law commerce is quite a difficult degree compared to commerce, which is, which is easy by comparison. And so I was like, I'm out of work. We've got no money. We're living out of home. I need to get a job immediately. So I immediately, I just got my resume together. I started applying to every single uh, accounting and financial planning job that, that existed out there. And I got a bunch of interviews. And then shortly after that, all of them said, sorry, um, we've taken the job off the market. Because again, they also all got hit by the GFC as well. So uh, six weeks later, I got, I managed to land a job at a call center. And that was like a 10 day contract. And then the person who interviewed me is like, oh, you seem pretty good. Let me get you a job at this insurance company working in administration. So that would have been now um, October, November, 2008. So I ended up going into this insurance company called AIA. So I say that because I spent five years at AIA in the end. And um, my job was pretty, pretty dry. It was doing like change of addresses and change of bank accounts. And lots of things to do with the GFC, with canceling their policies as well. But within a couple of weeks of starting the job, because I was very much like ants in my pants at this, at this stage of life, I want to get out of here. Uh, I figured out um, how to automate my job um, through writing what's called macros in the system. Now, I didn't know how to code. 
but I could see where I needed to put the code. I really didn't really know what I was doing, but I jumped on YouTube, said, you know, how to write Visual Basic, which is what the code was. And then over the next couple of weeks, I automated my entire job into it. So a job that used to take 20 minutes was now taking 30 seconds with my program. And then I automated my entire team as well. And so about a month after that, of me working through writing this code and automating everything, I then went and I grabbed one of the directors of the company, just saw him in the hallway, really stalked him in the hallway and said, hey, uh, you don't know me, I work in administration, but I can cut the entire operations costs in half. He went, um, okay, that's a strange thing for someone to randomly say to me in the hallway, uh, show me what you got. So uh, I took him to my desk and I said, um, have a look at this. And I pressed play and he saw this task, which he knew took 20 minutes, now take 30 seconds. He's like, okay, so, you're no longer in administration. Um, it, like on the spot, he said, that's it. We're, we're moving you to business, to being a business analyst straight up. So uh, a week later, my desk was moved. I was moved into the business analysis team. And they were a team that was like working on improving um, how all operations worked across the, across the company. And I worked there for another six months, building up everything that I was doing. And uh, then eventually, um, after I'd done all the automations that I, I could do in there, they moved me to work in a project team. I did some offshoring work and a few other things. Now, this is all working in traditional project management. So when I was working on my thing, automating my stuff, I was doing it how I wanted to do it. Now, what I didn't know back then was the way that I operated was exactly how I operate today as a product manager, which is very lean, working, sitting side by side with people, building things very quickly, testing it out with them. If it works, building more of it and really rapidly iterating on building out product. In that case, it was automation, right? And that's the best way to work in my opinion, right? But traditional project offices don't work that way. They'll have someone like a business analyst write these very detailed instructions of how something should be built will be like some massive hundred page document. They'll hand that over to the development team who then code up based on the instructions. Invariably, some wires get crossed in communications and six months later, the wrong thing's been built and everyone has to go back to the drawing board. As opposed to how I like to work, which is every couple of days, you're building something and taking it out to someone and seeing if it works or not. Anyway, so from there, I ended up becoming a process engineer at AIA and they start up a process engineering capability. And what that uh, role essentially entails is Mapping out how a process currently works. It could be how you use Facebook or it could be how you go to, let's say you're looking to buy a new phone. What's the process you go through to buying a new phone? And then look, look at what that end-to-end -end process looks like and go, well, how can we re-engineer that and make it better, make it easier and faster and more enjoyable? So it's a really cool, really cool capability. And then this would probably be year three at AIA. And at this point, this is when, and this is a real pivotal moment for me, I decided that I wanted to do my own startup, right? At the same time. Now, so I was now, uh, I had a couple of mates who also had development capability. We all got together. We decided we want to build um, initially what was going to be a location-based social media application, which evolved into an interactive maps um, application that was actually used at the Royal Melbourne show a couple of years ago before, before I canned it because I couldn't, I couldn't handle doing job, job full-time kids and startup at the same time was all insane. But really important, any, one thing I would say is any advice I would give to anyone listening who's interested to get involved in product management is just experiment with trying to do some kind of small startup yourself, right? Just get the, the idea of what's up. Maybe you're going to um, use Amazon and eBay to, to sell custom jumpers or anything like that. 
having the experience of doing end-to-end everything that's involved in kind of setting up a business is a huge leg up in being, being able to understand all the different components of what it is to run a business, even though it's just you on your own, right? What is it to work through operations and support? What is it to work through marketing and sales and, and have to kind of manage and understand all those things yourself? Because you, as a product manager, you need to be able to relate to the senior leadership of the organization um, and the problems that they're facing, right? And to be able to empathize with them and then influence them effectively. So that's the one key piece of advice of anything I would say. That's the one thing I would say is something to try out. And it's really easy to do. You just have to start and you'll, and you'll get somewhere. So anyway, so I ended up teaching myself how to write uh, Objective-C, which is for iOS applications. And this is very different from what I did when I did that basic automation, the visual basic. This is a way, way more advanced. I was now dealing with, and I was working with two guys who were very, very uh, accomplished developers themselves, right? Um, one of whom actually works for Planet Innovation, which is a, an, an amazing um, development firm doing, doing some of the coolest development you can get to, which I believe I'm not allowed to talk about besides saying that he works there. <laughs> That's all I can say. Anyway, we, I ended up you know, testing out my skills and building out an application for AIA. And I presented that to the, the then um, chief of uh, marketing at the time, I think it was. And then eventually they... So I guess part of why I'm saying all of this is it's all about um, kind of being able to take initiative and see an opportunity and, and act upon it, right? And then, and then work to the next step. Because as your role as a product manager, that, that is part of what your job is. You're not, you can't wait for instruction from someone else because you're the, you're, you are the instruction, right? It's one of the things I've said to, to people who um, I've had in my teams um, over the years is, is one of the things that is, sometimes quite hard to teach is that you must be a self-starter, right? And you, you can build that capability, but it, it's kind of having that mindset of uh, rather than, oh, I'll wait to talk to my manager to understand what I need to do next. It's like, no, you're it, right? And I've always told anyone in my team, um, you have the same power that I do. I might be the head of product. Imagine you're also the head of product. Operate in the exact same way, right? And it's really important to think about that. And, and then it's like, oh, well, can I just book time in the CEO's diary? Well, you're a product manager. So yes, you're, you're equivalent to anyone else in the organization and you need to operate as such. So um, that's a really important thing to think about um, when, when going into these roles. And again, I say all this with the exception being if you're in a massive large corporation like a bank and the previous example I gave, that can be a little bit different. So I digress slightly. So long story short, worked at AIA. I eventually presented my apps to like the AIA global global head. I moved into um, working in Hong Kong and Australia on their innovation team. From there, I moved to an insurance company called Tal. Um, then I moved to another company called Pexa, Property Exchange Australia, and then became a consultant for five years, which is where I actually polished all my skills. Because up until then, I was just kind of bashing around. I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, the consulting firm was Elaborate, which um, highly recommend anyone checking out their blogs if you want to kind of move into this space. Elaborate don't just do, they do all, all sorts of consulting, but it's all related. And that's where I really polished my skills before moving to page up my previous role as their head of product. And now my prosperity is their chief product officer. That's it. It's a very long beginning and very quick end. <laughs> now, I, I just want to was there a point where you sort of realized oh, this is it, um, this is it, product management, or this is it, product innovation, this is what I really want to do um, sure. for the rest of my career. Yeah, yeah. so 
So first off was when I became the business analyst at AIA. And now again, I didn't know what product manager was at that point, right? But when I became a business analyst, I was like, my life changed. It's like, wow, I didn't know this job existed. Like up until then, work was, was work. Uh, I, I, like, I, like, I didn't love work, right? When I became a business analyst at AIA, I was like, I love this. Like I couldn't wait to go to work. I would, I would think about work at home. I, I would like, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then when I worked at Hexa, which was a few years later, that's when I met my first product manager. Her name was um, uh, Kat Barrett. And she then started to talk to me because I was talking to her about my startup and what I was doing. And she was giving me a bit of advice. I'm like, what, what is all this stuff that you, this amazing magical skills that you have? She's like, oh, well, I'm a product manager. And I was like, oh, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be a product manager. And so that was that was the pivotal moment for me once, once I knew what it was. So it was first business analyst, which has evolved in, in many respects to product manager. Product manager, while business analyst was more just about build a product and get it out there. Success for a business analyst is the product is built. Success for a product manager is the business objectives are achieved, right? So the product isn't just built, it's built, it's sold, it's used successfully, and it's you now have a successful, sustainable business model that is achieving the business objectives or your objectives for whatever you're trying to achieve. Maybe you're working for a charity and you now have got a successful charity that's that's managing to have an impact on the community, right? Whatever the objective is, your job as a product manager is to achieve the objective, not to build the product. That's the so, key difference. So the business analyst will be a key, I guess, component of project management overall, like a key enabler or a small piece of the puzzle? Uh, it, yes, yeah, it can be a key enabler. I mean, again, in my opinion, I think the organizations in general should just have product managers, right? And not have business analysts anymore. That, that's my opinion. Mm. And, and the product manager should operate as both the influencer, the coordinator and the business analyst. And, and part of that's also empowering the right people to be making the right decisions. So some organizations haven't operated in the best possible way where, you know, a business analyst would write detailed instructions of what to build in the software and then just hand those instructions to a developer, right? Which is not ideal mm -hmm. when potentially half of those instructions should potentially have been written by the developer, mm -hmm. right? And so part of a product manager's role as well is to ensure that the right people are doing the right things for the entire system to run as efficiently as possible in order to always get to the core thing, achieve the business objective or the objective as quickly as possible and as, as effectively as possible, right? So, yeah. No wonder people say uh, the product manager is like uh, a CEO of the product. Is that what is, yeah. is that the right saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Product manager is the CEO of their space. Exactly, exactly. And I always say you have to, you have to see yourself as that because the buck stops with you. You can't say, oh, marketing didn't do X. No, no, you didn't do X. Your yeah. responsibility was to coordinate effectively with marketing. If they didn't have the capacity, then you need to plan around that or, or find, find another solution. There's no one else is responsible for it. Before we go into sort of the, the, the detail of what the day-to-day -day might look like for a product manager, keen to hear from you. Why do you, I don't want to say love because that sounds too emotional, <laughs> but like why, <laughs> yeah, sure. okay, why do you love product management slash product innovation? So a big part of it is the variety, right? I love that that's every day I'm doing something different. Every day is interesting. I love that my role is linked to outcomes. That's about achieving at like at real, real tangible objectives. So it's not, 
I don't have someone giving me instructions from above saying, hey, do X. And I sit there and go, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's not going to achieve the objective. It's my role to then turn around and say, my role would be to say, that's not going to achieve the objective. Let's do something different and then influence accordingly. I like, I do love the, um, the communication aspect behind it, the people constantly talking with people. Part of the role as well would be if you're that type of product manager, which I am, which is kind of being the, the face of the product sometimes or the confidence behind the product as well, internally for internal teams. Or I mentioned um, early today that I'm going to be doing a webinar as soon as this session finishes. That webinar is going to be to all of um, my current customers to tell them uh, what we're building, what's coming next, to get their feedback, to get them involved and bring them on the journey. And, and I love I love doing that kind of stuff. And then you know, understanding people's problems and then helping them solve them. And then seeing people, like I really get a kick out of going, well, I built this new feature and then I can see data showing that people are using it and that people like it, right? You know, I really get a kick out of that. So, yeah. It must be satisfying to see that it's working. Yes, yes, exactly. Very, very satisfying. And, and also, I, and like, if you're a product manager and you work in the right way, you can make every, it's a really fun place to work. It's a really fun way to work. And, and like, I mean, I've generally been working in software development. It's a really fun job. And, and everyone, like I can say right now, everyone in my team right now, I've got my designers, the, the developers um, who are working within the organization and, and the rest of the organization in terms of marketing, sales and support. They're, they're just happy. They're happy. They like what they're doing. They have fun every day. Every meeting is all smiles. Like, like that's, it's a great way to work. Right. And, and it's um, and part of that is obviously having the right culture and the right organization. But as a product manager, you can have significant impact on that as well. Yeah. Right. To ensure that the right culture is there, which is, again, a really important thing for me as well. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. So we've um, talked quite a bit about product management. I'm keen to hear from you what the day to day might look like. So like the, I guess, what would be the key buckets of activities that the product manager will be doing yeah well what what i might do in order to do this i'm going to just bring up my calendar ah good idea so when i start work one of the first things that happens in the day is i'll have um what's called a daily a daily stand-up right and so what that is is i meet with uh the development team so you know i'll i'll, I'll literally walk through my day today actually. Mm -hmm. so i met with the development team at uh, 9 30 this morning and we had a quick 15 minute catch-up where we walk through what are all the things, what are all the things that we're trying to deliver, and where are they all at, right? And so the purpose of this meeting is to understand, well, um, is there anything that anyone needs to do to support anyone else, right? It's not about people saying, oh, this is what I'm doing. I, I, that's fine. It's this is what I need help with, and this is where I need might need support throughout the day, and are we attracting accordingly? And then so we coordinate at that point. And now I've I've got that session because we're all online now. Um, and remote, I've actually got a permanent one hour session then booked at two o'clock um, every day as well, where I just dial in and I wait there and anyone has any questions, they can come and ensure that they get access to myself and to anyone else, like often it's myself and one of the designers will dial in as well. Uh -huh. um, and then we just use that for unblocking time or to work through any other issues we wanna work through. Then at 10 o'clock today, um, the support team had their weekly catch up. I then joined that to um, have give them a quick update of what's coming in the next week and ask them, is there anything that they need for me to coordinate in order to ensure that they're ready for the new product that's coming? So it would be things like, oh, maybe I need to coordinate an FAQ document for them. Then now I specifically use the word coordinate. It doesn't mean that I'm the one that does it. 
but I am the one that needs to ensure that it happens. And again, if there's no one else to do it, then I'm the one that does it. And yeah. the variety, because it could be that someone like, oh, maybe the head of support will be like, oh, I can write that FAQ document, no problem. So then they'll write it. Um, and they might write it this time. The next time I'm going to say, I don't have capacity, Josh, you need to do it for me, right? Mm -hmm. So um, now in between that as well, I did do a bit of uh, market research. So I was just looking at some of the, the FinTech blogs because uh, I'm working in the FinTech space just to see what's happening in the market. Um, you know, you have the recent, uh, any mergers and acquisitions that have happened, any new competitors coming into the market, what they're doing, just to get a bit of an idea. I usually spend maybe 15 minutes a day on that. Then after this, I've got a webinar out to customers. So I'm presenting to other customers. And then immediately after that, I've got a prioritization session with um, one of the product teams. So I've got multiple product teams and I'm working through what, what are they going to be working on um, for the next two weeks? And so prioritizing that accordingly. And that will then feed into another planning session tomorrow. Then I've got a demo with the potential integration partner. So they're going to integrate and so they'll build out a product. So I'm then going to work with them and understand what they're doing. Then I've got a standing spot at 1.30 every day where I jump into, I've got a prioritization system and it's, it's called a heart. And basically anyone can raise new ideas in a heart. So if the support team hears a complaint from a customer, they'll chuck it into the system and say, they're complaining about this, we potentially fix it. Or if sales has something, or maybe um, one of the developers has an idea, they'll put that in the system. So every day at 1.30, I go through and I go, I go and I review all of those and I prioritize them accordingly as well. So I do that every day. Um, so all very, I've, I have lots of lots of process around all of this. Then I have that, what I call the dev unblock time, the two to 3 p.m. And then luckily today from uh, three to five, well, 3.30 I have to pick up my son from school, but otherwise I don't actually have anything booked there. But what I actually will be doing then is I have, I'm currently at quarterly planning at the moment, for like high level overview of what we're doing for the next quarter. And so all those are hot ideas that came through and there's also some other big strategic pieces that I need to work on. I need to break those down into a list that's easy for us to prioritize accordingly to ensure we then build out a, a short-term roadmap of what we want to be building over the next oh. um, few months. So that, and that's kind of what most days are like. Yeah. But it's amazing. It's the, was this HA system, did you say? Aha, uh -huh. yes, uh -huh. A-H-A. That's the very first time that I hear about a, it's not the, the system itself, but like this whole process that you've got to make sure that we are getting this feedback and actually actioning on it and incorporating yes. it into some sort of plan or roadmap. It's amazing. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what a product manager should do, right? So product, product managers are doing that well. You ensure... So I, I always consider if ever the team works on something that doesn't end up being valuable, that's a failing on my part. So I need to constantly be vigilant to ensure that they're always working the most valuable things in the most effective way. Yeah. No, I'm inspired. It's great yeah, because cool. like I've heard so many, there were so many instances where, you know, I called, let's say a call center or some sort of service provider to complain about the same thing that happens every single time, every single time. But never, that never gets improved or never gets addressed. So I wonder what happens to this feedback that I give them. It's great to yeah. hear that at least there's a company that's actually listening to the feedback that yeah. customers have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more and more companies are getting to that point. I think uh, the challenge I have now is because I might have, say, 20 customers say that they want 20 different things, but I can only do one of them. 
how do I communicate effectively? And that's, again, is the job of the product manager. And what I'm actually going to be doing at this webinar at 11 o'clock, how do I communicate effectively so the, the 19 customers who aren't getting what they want in the next few months still feel listened to and um, continue to be on the journey with me in terms of the product? So, and again, that's very much the responsibility of the product manager of taking people on that journey. Um, but I can't say I have a, I have a foolproof answer to how to do that effectively yet. Yeah. yeah working, I'm working on it. But that's one that, that that's a hard one because we cannot please everyone. No, no, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But um, it all comes down to communication, effective, effective communication. I think the, and the, uh, one thing you always hear people talk about product managers is effective being an effective communicator and influencing without authority. So in theory, everyone I talk to, the developers don't, don't report to me. Marketing doesn't report to me. Sales doesn't report to me, right? But I need to influence all of them. So, and as a product manager, you need to be that effective influencer. Yeah. So speaking of that, that's a great segue into the next question. What will be, I guess, the key skill sets or attributes, things that you, you might look for in a great product manager? Right. Okay. So I want to answer this question kind of, I, I think about this question a lot. So again, I talked to, uh, there are different types of product managers, right? And so, for example, in, in my last role at PageUp, the, one of the people that I promoted to senior product manager there, which is a big deal, it's a very, very significant change from product manager to senior product manager. It's a really big divide because product manager is already a very senior role. Now, I used to always be of the opinion, oh, you know, a product manager needs to also be that, that salesperson and really be presenting about the product. I now don't believe that that's true. That's a type of product manager. That's the type of product manager that I am. But this person that I promoted, they were working more on the backend side of the product, right? So working to, to build out, supporting the other product teams. But they were brilliant at communication internally, brilliant at um, influencing the right people at the right time, uh, really good at, at coordinating, ensuring the right activities are happening in the right order, right? So they're really being across all the things that need to happen and uh, fantastic prioritization. No, so those, those ones I would say would be the, so the, and, and so communication, influencing, prioritization and coordination, I would say those are the four core skills, right? So you need to, you definitely need to have those four core skills, no matter what type of product manager you are. Mm -hmm. Then you get to things where I really want someone to have these types of skills. I, I'd love someone to have the customer research side to have, have skills around customer research and understand how to do research. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily the person always doing the research because there might be a research team dedicated to that, but maybe they're not available to you and you do need to do that research. Or if they are available, you need to be able to communicate with them effectively. So you need to understand how that works. That's one, one part of it. Um, and so that, that would be a product manager, especially one who's focused on um, building customers, products that is customer facing it's, and it's new product that hasn't been done before. You need to understand how to do that discovery effectively. Mm. What I call product discovery. The other one is uh, the technical skills. So that's where I spoke to my, my skills in terms of coding and, and such. A lot of product managers, most product managers probably don't have um, that, that skill set. It is good to have it to a degree though. And so even if you can't code, you should ideally understand how the components of software fit together, right? And now with all that, I, no self-respecting developer would ever let me near code. I'm a terrible developer. I can code, but I code horribly, right? 
So, but it's given me the skills to understand how it all fits together. So I can have a conversation with the developer and I can, I can have an effective conversation with them accordingly as a result, but they would certainly not let me edit code because I just messed things up. Uh, so that's the technical side. Then there is the sales and presentation side. So that's being that confidence behind the products, doing things like I'm doing now with the webinar, coaching up sales teams. That's another type of product manager as well. And, and then at, at the core, then there's things like people management, leadership, and coaching, budgeting and commercial skills as well. So being able to understand what's the return on investment, something you're working through, and then strategic planning as well. So there's the, the what I spoke to you about, what I'm working on with the team today in terms of the backlog management, that's very short term. Um, then there's long-term uh, strategic planning as well, where you're going, well, in three years, where should the product be? Where does it look like our competitors are moving and where do we need to then work around that? It's not locking everything in place over the next three years, but it's having an idea of where are we heading? And then being able to communicate that effectively as well. Mm. So great, good product managers have those four, four core skills that I described at the beginning. So the communications, influencing, uh, coordination, and prioritization. So that's the core skills. And then they should have one of the key areas, depending on where they're working. Mm. The unicorn product manager, the one who like everyone wants to hire, is the person that has those four key. They're also great at customer research, strategic planning budgeting and commercial skills. They have the technical skills as well. And they're also that presenter and that salesperson as well, right? So they can do they can do it all, right? Now, what I'm saying is that's that's the, I call them a unicorn because it's exceptionally rare to find someone that can do all of that. But what I would say is if you are looking to move into this space, get your four skills down and pick one area to be a specialist, mm. right? You don't need to get everything equal. You need to be one area where you're where you're incredible. Right, and it's the area that you should be passionate about. If you're passionate about um, the technical side of things, become amazing at technical. Um, mm -hmm. I always say, like, if there was an ideal degree that I should have done, it probably would have been commerce and computer science, or art and computer science, something along those lines. It would have been ideal. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't do that, unfortunately, but I've had to. I've had to learn along the way as a result. Um, and when it, the reason why you say potentially why arts science. Uh, what was the other one? The third one? Uh, so there's business systems, business computer systems, science, computer science, and arts, yeah, and, and commerce. Those would be the four things. You obviously can't do all four. You'd have to pick a combination. But in general, I would say ideally, computer science would be one of the things you would do. So it's yeah. Understanding how how to code basically because be they exceptionally valuable. Because they mirror almost the product, this combination, not, not saying that we should be doing all of those degrees, but I guess they, these, these options here, they sort of almost mirror the product manager role from, you know, there's a technical, there's this artistic, creative, customer focused side of it. And then there's the business maybe side of it that might be. Yes. Is that? And where? Yeah, exactly. 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 The, the way I, I kind of always sum it up is um, there's, I forget the name of it, but it's this Venn diagram that says um, every product you want it to be desirable, right? So people want it, feasible, we can actually make it happen, and viable from a business perspective. So if you think about where departments commonly sit, feasibility is generally where your development team would sit, technical teams would sit. Desirability is generally where your design or marketing teams would sit. Viability is where, say, your finance teams would sit. Can we actually afford to do this? And, and then your sales teams also might sit there as well. Like, can we actually sell this? Yeah. The product manager is the person, it almost sits a little bit inviable, but almost dead center in coordinating between the three, right? That's, that's, that's how it kind of fits. 
Perfect. The just the last question that I had was keen to hear if you got a piece of advice for those that are looking for their passion because you were lucky. Uh, maybe not lucky, yes. like because there was a well, level was, of proactivity. Um, yes, but you managed I was to find kind of your... unlucky in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but you very, found very you found it. But you found yes. Yeah, I guess your passion. Yes, so. I did find it. Find it in the game. Yeah. So as in, like, how to how to find what you're going to like? Um, that's a good question. So one thing I would say is that there's a few traps I think people fall into. So one trap is, say hypothetically, I'm going to study law, so therefore I'm going to be a lawyer. I know, uh, I know a lot of amazing product managers. I'm pretty sure the cat who's the first product manager I spoke about, she was a lot, she studied law originally and she's a brilliant product manager. Just because your degree says X doesn't mean that that's what you're locked into. And what you need to kind of do is whatever organization you end up landing in first, try and get involved in everything, right? Put your hand up to be, create that capacity in your role, do your role. So this, this is actually part of this as well. Let's say... Let's say your role is to be uh, do the do the firm's accounting, right? For an organization, you're working you're working in an organization doing accounting for them. You could be the best accountant who churns through all of their work, and then goes, "I'll just take on more of the same work." You're now a super amazing at doing that one specific thing, and they're going to love you for it. But no one's going to say, hey, look at this amazing person who did 10 times the work that anyone else did. I mean, sure, you might get recognized a little bit. Ideally, what you want to do is do the amount of work that's expected from you, do it at a high quality, right? But don't take extra on. All the extra time that you have, now you do extra things within the organization to both grow your reputation and also to, uh, to learn new things. So maybe, maybe um, what takes someone eight hours to do, you can do in four hours. Great. Well, now you have four hours where you can get involved with the development teams, right? Maybe, maybe you can say, hey, do you need a representative to help you to prioritize what you're working on? Or do you need someone to test on? Or do you need someone to do testing? Whatever the case may be, a lot of things that you can do and get involved in um, across the organization. Or maybe you're interested in understanding marketing. So you take two of those four hours and you go and chat to the marketing team and say, hey, I've got a bit of extra capacity. Can I help you out over here? You're going to get even more accolades for doing that, even more, build your reputation more, and you get to learn how what it is to work in all the other areas around the organization and then you'll find what you actually like doing so that's one piece of advice i'd say the other piece of advice i would say is that it might seem really cool to work for a really big organization but the reality is especially when you are junior you will get pigeonholed immediately and so uh, i think one of the best things that you can do if you can find it is get yourself a grad role in a small company and when i say small maybe a 40 person company like my prosperity maybe um, <laughs> because there, and, and, and I say this jokingly, but seriously, like I'm, I'm actually going to be looking for grads now and I'm going to be bringing grads in and they're going to get to work directly with me doing all the things that I spoke about, which is someone who works at a bank. They, they might never in their entire career get to do all of this stuff, but this person's getting to do it within their first year because they're at a small company where they get to have um, a much higher level of autonomy and get to do a lot more things because that's what's required at a smaller company yeah a lot yeah. more exposure um yeah no it will be i think if um that happened let's say if someone a grad started working let's say woolies or coles it would take them years before they speak to the ceo 
So yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. You learn so much so quickly and you've got so much exposure to so, different, so many different things if yeah. you're in a smaller company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in my, my career, you can see if you go through the companies I work for, I've gradually moved smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And now I'm in the smallest company I've ever worked in and I'm having the most fun I've ever had. The, the other benefit of working in a smaller company is that changes, um, non-strategic changes are a lot more agile. So you can make more meaningful impact faster that's the other thing that's also quite good yeah perfect thank you so much for um catching up with me it's yeah yeah. always i always learn so much about no not just product management but i guess like overall leadership career um when i talk to you so uh appreciate it thanks cynthia yeah no anytime so all the best with the um webinar and uh we'll be in touch offline Cool. Thanks, Cynthia. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. So that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and or the YouTube channel for new episodes. Thanks for tuning in and until next time. Bye.